0: Good evening fans, Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by Codewriteplay.com. Woo Boom Shakalaka. My mom gave birth in nineteen eighty-five. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold war, my only blanket was Tetris. I played rampart, we're rampage the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary, the arcade was my church. I thought I was grass down, so for evil I Hey everybody, happy new year. Todd Mitchell here. Time for Game Dev breakdown here in the year of twenty and twenty-one. You'll have to pardon me for putting out a late episode today. I wanted to get it out this morning. That would have required me to finish the episode yesterday. And if you have watched any news or any social media, you know what absolute chaos yesterday was. So uh, here in the U.S., we had basically a coup situation, domestic terrorism, every bad label you could slap on it. We had to watch it play out live And on social media and everywhere else. And uh, it was awful. I'm not going to pretend it was not awful. Wasn't really my intention to bring it up here at the top of the show. But I think it's disingenuous to pretend stuff like this isn't happening. Or that it has no effect on anything. You guys know better. You guys know that this stuff has a real impact on our mental well-being. Our productivity. And that's okay. That's part of the human experience. That's part of the experience of being a citizen. A lot of you come from different places all over the world. The show goes out to dozens and dozens of countries and you guys have all dealt with just crazy stuff while you try to do creative things, productive things and positive things. And I think, I think most creators, most artists agree that you can't just force yourself into a certain frame of mind when things like this are going on. And it's not, it's not that you're being weak or you're being too sensitive it's a real th- it's a real process and you have to be in a positive enough frame of mind to at least power through. And I feel better equipped to do that today than I did yesterday. So, thank you for understanding. Got a few things I want to do today. We'll consider this sort of a state of the podcast for the year. And uh, I'll I'll try to make it worthwhile. It's not going to be all business and data and stuff, but I thought it'd be worth talking about some of the things that happened over the previous year because they've in large part despite everything last year, they've been incredible because they've been focused on this community and the way it's pulled together and allowed community things like this podcast to continue. So I think you guys being a part of that deserve to hear about it. So uh, I'll start with that. I will uh, tell sort of a funny story that came up on Twitter and, uh, and we'll talk about what to expect here in the coming weeks. First of all, thanks everybody for hanging in during the, last couple of weeks the holiday season 2020 going into 2021 Christmas uh New Year's Eve basically it could have gone a few different ways I had a choice of putting the podcast on hold over the holidays spending some time with the family uh I could have tried to keep doing like live shows and stuff not live but like day before week of that kind of thing I didn't think that was fair to me my family the guests I'd be bothering you know (laughs) I could have tried to put together sort of a best of. A lot of podcasts do that. You podcast listeners know that a lot of podcasts will just clip together their favorite stuff from the previous year. But if you really think about that, a lot of work goes into that too. It's not a whole lot different from just continuing the show through the end of the new year. Uh, you got to figure out what goes into it. You've got to edit that stuff. You've got to do intros and outros for everything. It's not not too different from just doing the podcast. So luckily for me, I heard about an event that was basically in need of, you know, press coverage. And that was the virtual indie games expo 2020, which is normally a Colorado based thing uh, with a pretty small group, but they tried to expand their reach this year and uh, it wasn't perfect. I'm not going to pretend it was perfect. We <laughs> It was unpleasant in, in spots. Uh, the, the whole process, I felt like uh, I couldn't get any questions answered. Uh, a lot of things people, said we were going to take place, did not take place. When I had issues day of, I was not able to get any support. Um, I think there were some real issues there. So I don't think it's fair to let the upbeat commentary that I made during the actual interviews sort of hang there without sort of counterbalancing that. Like it was great to connect with the people I connected with. That was fantastic. I wouldn't trade that for anything. The You know the amount of coverage I did now. I spent Many hours, both Saturday and Sunday, connecting with folks, interviewing folks, and did, uh, what, 10 full interviews on the Sunday. So the day after the event, because when I tried to get set up for the event and try to do that coverage, I didn't really get the support. Um, They reached out once in the morning when I said uh, I'm not available till a little while later because we didn't schedule anything. They wouldn't schedule anything. I asked for the schedule in... uh, in the week prior to the event, I said, I've, I've not heard how this is going to work. You need to tell me how this is going to work. They didn't. They just kept sending me forum emails over and over again. I didn't have access to anything. I didn't know how the press coverage worked. And then on the day of, when I said, okay, I'll be available between here and there, not one person answered me after the, that first contact in the morning. So, uh, And then when I said, hey, your, your press room isn't working, so I can't do interviews with anybody, they go, well, a lot of press people Follow up with uh, exhibitors after the event. I said, oh, because I mean, you guys have been sending requests to people about this for weeks. It was a whole thing. I don't mean to bag on these guys. Uh, it was just it It, it became kind of negative because I put together a short video during the setup. And all I was trying to do was show off like, look at this cool VR meeting space they put together for this event. I think it's really cool. But, uh, I mean, I cracked a couple of jokes because I was frustrated because nobody was helping me plan for this thing. So I didn't feel, and they kept telling me, we are too busy. You have no idea how busy we are. And we're much too busy to talk to you day of and stuff like that. And that's the wrong attitude. That's a bad attitude. That attitude doesn't check out because you guys are doing this a couple of weeks Setting up for the event, holding the event, tearing down after. Uh, I do this stuff all year. This is my job. And I'm the least official person you probably talk to about this. So that doesn't really fly with anybody else who does this full time all the time and has a hectic schedule. That's all I'll say. Moving on. The point was, all those people I spoke with who were exhibiting at the event were fantastic It was awesome connecting with those people. They were frustrated about the event too. I think that came through in several places. And um, I appreciate you guys for hanging in with what probably felt like kind of automated shows that were all pre-recorded. I mean, that is the case, but that allowed me to bring you guys new content, fresh content right through the holidays, through the new year, and into the end of this first week of 2021. So at this point... I wanted to circle back, say Happy New Year. Uh, Congratulations to all of us for making it through 2020 together, because that's a big deal. And now we get to sort of move on collectively. So 2020 was big for the podcast. There were months where I didn't get to do hardly anything. Uh, I got sick for a while that year. Again, we don't entirely know exactly what it was. I mean, I got a wild guess. But when I came back, I wanted to come back strong. I said, if there's... Any way this is going to work, it's going to work if I go to being the most reliable, most consistent output in the category, and that's what I did. I don't know of another podcast who does two shows a week like this on a steady schedule. Now, not down to the like hour of the day that the show comes out, but on those days, you've always got a show. This will be another example. It's day of. I'm cutting it down to the wire, but that consistency has allowed us to bring back sponsors. It's allowed us to book more guests, and sign up for more events. It's been a super positive thing. The uh, The ad revenue has taken off. The opportunities have taken off. And so that's been well worth it. My advice to people, because I know I've got some other podcasters who listen to this show. My advice to you, if you can't do a steady schedule, you may as well quit. I hate to and that's not an attempt to be negative, but that's the honest truth. If you can't do a steady show, don't do a show. Because you're going to work Super hard on it and it's not going to progress. That's the truth. It's a slow process building up a show. But the truth is, and you can find this in the way people talk about podcasts on Twitter and online and stuff. They'll go, I would listen to this, but their last show was six weeks ago and I don't want to do that. People don't like that. People will not go for it. That's not necessarily fair for a free product, but uh, that's the truth. So if you're going to do this, I'm not telling you do two weeks or two shows a week or daily or whatever, but don't do less than weekly if you want it to work. I've been around this game long enough, about seven years going on eight, something like that. I can tell you less than weekly shows don't go anywhere. It just doesn't. I mean, if you're a celebrity or something, that's one thing. Or a rock star indie developer. You know, some of those folks can make it work. If you're listening to this, good for you. Uh, The rest of us need to do something consistent, have a reliable output, and that's the way to do it. And, hey, that's the way to do anything, right? So, what else did I want to drop an update about? Uh, Website is really just for show notes these days, which is fine. The book. (laughs) My my book comes up on occasion because last year a big focus of mine was I wanted to convert a set of interviews to print, so transcribe podcast interviews, clean them up, cut out the good stuff, put them together in a readable format, and put like 10, 12 of these in book format and just release a book. Boom, author, you know. Uh, that would help the show. That would help me. That would help, you know, open up some doors. So I've been working on this because I thought that will be, Hey, I thought, hey, the work is really done, right? I've done the hard part. I've tracked down people, got them to agree to interviews. We conducted the interviews. So fantastic, right? How hard can it be to transcribe them and, and, you know, clean up a book format? Okay, well, if I wanted to do the simplest version of it and just transcribe them all, slap them together and upload that to Kindle, that would have been probably done a long time ago. And I could be finding out if that's, you know, something people were interested in. But instead, (laughs) I wanted to do it right, you know, because I have a journalism background. I have, you know, a little bit of authorship background. I wanted to do this the right way that did not hurt my reputation or appear less than official. And so to do that, I felt it was very important for me to have the blessing and the cooperation of the people I spoke to for those interviews. So... Now that means I had to basically get these rough drafts together contact those people and say hey I'm doing a book I'd like to include your interview and I would love your blessing you know to do this and as a thank you you know I can I can put in updated plugs updates from you about what you're up what you're doing where people can find you on the web and then you know if there's any new news that'll also be a benefit for people who have um you know, heard these interviews on the podcast. It'll be something a little fun to look back and go, oh, let's see what, uh, you know, Paul Nicholas is up to now. That's a spoiler. He's in the book. Uh, let's see what Paul Nicholas is up to. Uh, he's had a lot of really successful projects go out. He does a great Patreon community now. Uh, my my website sends a ton of web traffic to his Patreon page. But huh. so, you know, he sent back some info. I added it to his chapter, and that's supposed to be a bonus for, um, you know, Hopefully people who don't listen to the podcast would be interested in the book because they like books and people who do like the podcast and wanted to check the book out and, you know, maybe get some new things out of some old material. You would have incentive to read it, too, because there would be some updates. Okay, so where I'm actually at, I was going to do 10 interviews total. The 10th one was going to be never before released anywhere. Uh, something I conducted over Twitter DMs with somebody. I won't reveal that person. They have an incredible story that has not been heard nearly enough. I think this guy needs a movie of his own, honestly. And he'll know who he is if he hears this, because I said that to him. I'm like, dude, you need a a full book or a movie. All I can really do for you right now is maybe put this chapter together for the book. And if that would be okay with you, we were going to put it somewhere else. Maybe the website or maybe um, when I tinkered with the idea of like an indie magazine, we're going to do it that way. I, I can't, <laughs> I reached my limit on, on bandwidth. Basically, I can't do a magazine on top of everything. I'm one person. I don't know how I'm doing the current stuff I'm doing in addition to normal everyday stuff. So I said, I there's no way I'm going to let this content fall through the cracks. Could we just, could we put this in the book? He was super excited. The other nine were interviews I did for the podcast. So for the most part, I contacted some of the people right away. Cause I wanted to make sure they were in and they were on board. And then a few, I wanted to get like a rough draft together and have it ready. Cause if they wanted to see it and then decide, or if they wanted to go over it and make sure it's factually accurate, that's exactly the kind of reason I went to everybody. Like if I misheard something or if I got a name wrong or something needed to be clarified or they said something that is what came out of their mouth, but they wanted to adjust that. I wanted everybody to have that chance. So Under half of the people took me up on that, like everybody who got back to me, which was like eight out of nine people from the interview or from the podcast, got back to me and said, cool, let's do it. And then like four of them said, I would like to see the the chapter and go over it and make sure everything's cool. Everybody was super positive about it. Very nice. And then one person didn't get back to me right away. So I said, "Okay, fine, I'll, I'll do his chapter with the rest of the chapter's and I'll check back in with them when I'm caught up on my work. So when I'm ready to like do another round of checks with everybody, this is what you, this is journalism. This is how this works. If you're doing feature articles and stuff, just a little peek into that world, your entire world is this. It's following up with people. It's trying to stay positive and upbeat while while you're sort of, Chasing around after everybody, going like we talked about this. Were you able to do that? And you have to stay positive because it's not their problem. This is something you want to do, so you have to be nice and you have to follow around and remind people. So I did that. I got through an entire round of first drafts, light edits for you know content and clarity and everything and length because uh, word count was a tricky thing to figure out for this. But I wanted to go like standard business book length, which is like seventy thousand words. And I hit like almost 80 and I thought, great, I'll edit down probably five or 10,000. We'll be right there. And then I'll throw like an intro, maybe an outro on top of it. And we're going to be golden. I couldn't believe how well that came out. So I sent the chapters off to the people who wanted to see them. I spent that time catching up on the other uh, four or five chapters to edit myself. Some people didn't, didn't want to see it at all. They're I offered to like send it over. They're like, no, Just do whatever you think is best and uh, send me a copy. Okay, great. Perfect. So I worked on that. I'm still in the process of writing up that last never-before-seen chapter because I have all the research and all the answers, like the interview responses. But I have to, I'm writing it in actual like narrative format, more the way you'd read like a profile from the New Yorker or something like that. I wanted to really kind of put this together in a nice format, in a storytelling format. Way, because I think that's going to be a very rewarding way to get this story. Fine, so I'm I'm working on that part now. The other nine I had either done or in review with their people, so that's great. Like this is really happening. The book's already over seventy thousand words, which was my goal. Everything else is going to be icing on the cake. I checked with the one guy who I couldn't get a hold of in October, and I said I'm in the end stages of writing a book. I want to include your interview. I think it's great. I think you really came through well. I know you've changed companies. So I wanted to sort of get new plugs for you and maybe an update on what you're doing now. And I didn't hear back. So I moved on and I checked in with him two nights ago and he got back to me, I don't know, an hour later and said, Hey, sorry, I didn't see that previous message. I really don't want to be in the book. And I, oh, uh, I can't explain the frustration. I mean, Ultimately, I have to chalk it up to I just shouldn't have written it before I talked to him. There's also an element of, like, I'm a journalist, you agreed to do this interview. If I wanted to put it out, I would just put it out. And I talked to a couple of people, and several of them said, like, I would put that out in a heartbeat. But, (laughs) a couple of things, a couple of reasons I'm not going to do that. One, I want to be nice. This is not an expose. This is not gotcha journalism or anything. This is, like, Supposed to be a fun project. So even if that choice kind of screws me a little bit, you know, it is what it is. I mean, the, the other thing is I, it's sort of connected to that. I just, I want to include people in this who are excited by the idea, who are going to be excited to help promote it when it comes out and help share it, uh, who I can reward for their help by hopefully giving them more exposure and, uh, a wider audience. Uh, Morgan Ramsey, who wrote Gamers at Work, he was a huge inspiration for this. Uh, as you guys know, was it even last year or was it before that? A, a while back, he provided uh, a book or two for me to do giveaways to uh, listeners. His books, Gamers at Work and Online... What's the other one? Online Game Pioneers at Work, something like that. Those books are fantastic. They're They're very simple, like question and answer format interviews, it's long, like his had his books had like 14, 15 people each and they're long form interviews and they're fantastic. They're with great people. That was a huge inspiration. And while I was sort of questioning whether it was the right idea to put out a book full of content that had gone out somewhere. I mean, this stuff was in podcast format. I think reading and listening to podcasts are very different. Reading is very voluntary and uh, listening to podcasts, just it, it's going to blast at you no matter what. I don't think you pick things up the same way, even though you enjoy them differently. Let's pause right here to talk about our sponsor app figures. AppFigures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, AppFigures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, AppFigures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it could make you. That's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree, AppFigures has made it affordable and simple and they can guide you step-by-step step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com on slash game dev breakdown to try app figures for free. And if you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. But Morgan Ramsey said something in the intro to Gamers at Work that really helped me answer that question for myself. He said, basically, he conducted these interviews for a totally different purpose. They were basically going to be featured on a website he was doing. And he felt that he owed it to the people who gave him that time. He thought they deserved for him to do everything he possibly could to get them the widest exposure and reach the widest audience possible. And... Books and podcasts, they're both consumed. Uh, they're consumed by a similar audience, but those audiences are not the same. I looked at that as, this is something else I can do for those people. So again, I wanted to make it rewarding for podcast listeners also who wanted to uh, read the book. I wasn't going to like pressure you guys like, oh you guys haven't picked up my book in the correct number of listeners to Amazon purchases. It was never going to be like that. But the ones who wanted to go through this and go like, yeah, let's see what I can learn from reading through this with my eyeballs in my brain going through them as I transcribed them and I read them back that way I I conducted the interviews and I picked up a ton of new information so I thought this is legitimately valuable but I I was going to make sure there were updates and new plugs and stuff to sort of reward everybody point is (laughs) I am still in the process of doing that turns out this way of writing a book Instead of just like coming up with a topic and doing research and doing it all myself. This is taking way longer. Uh, I'm still very enthusiastic about it. I I think it's going to be a great project to have done and out in the wild. I'm very excited about it. It's still going to come out in the next, I don't know. It's hard to really put a date on it. I haven't come up with an official title yet, but I don't, I don't think. Before somebody backed out, I wanted to have this done by Valentine's Day. I think that might be a little aggressive now. But maybe by the end of March, I I can't see any reason this shouldn't be out the door and I can be on to something else. This got me thinking about uh, anyway, that's the update on the book before I move on. But uh, this got me thinking about something else. I've had a couple of successful, like big projects of my own go out. Like when I shipped my first commercial app, uh, freelance things I've done, the big stuff that felt like career milestones for me, the big firsts and the successful things. I don't, I always looked at myself as a person who's motivated by like, I'm going to show the world, you know, cause we've all had some thing we wanted to do that we didn't get picked for some job. We didn't get got a story about that later too, but we've all got a little bit. Those of us who do this stuff, we have a little bit of a motor in us. That's maybe fueled just a little bit by like, I spites a strong word, but you want to go out there and sort of prove at least a couple of people wrong, right? Mom or dad didn't think this was a good idea of, of a way to for you to spend your time. Or again, you got passed over for a job or you made a game. It didn't do well as we covered in a couple of the podcasts. Like you're just, you're going to have some haters online. You've got some people out there you want to prove wrong, right? So I always thought of myself as someone who was very inspired by that that engine, that desire to go out—like I'll show you—you you don't know me. Like, hey, I'm—I have value, and I can do this. And I always thought that was my main motivator. As I'm finding out, the big projects that go out after a long dragging across the finish line—those projects seem to go out for me when I actually start to get annoyed by them. And again, the people, one exception included, but uh, <laughs> the people who I'm writing this book about have all been fantastic. And there are a couple of unbelievable names included in that, that lineup. This is not at all a reflection on those people. Everybody's been super cooperative and super friendly. But the process of, you know, my own plan, executing on my own plan, it's starting to drive me nuts that I don't have it done. Like, it's really starting to irritate me. So I'm finding... And maybe this is just a phase of life thing. Maybe I'm just, you know, in my thirties now or something. But as I, as I see this thing sit around on my hard drive, as I see, um, emails that I've exchanged with people, the idea that no one can read this yet is starting to drive me nuts. I don't like it. Like, I don't like it not being done. So it's starting to annoy me that this isn't done. So more than like proving something to my dad who wouldn't let me touch his computer when I was a kid or show the guy who I worked with who went off and formed his own video game company and then declined to hire me like three different times instead of like the spite stuff. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm starting to like really drive at things because I'm annoyed that they're not done. I guess that's probably healthier than the first thing, right? So maybe that's an iteration in a positive direction. I'm not completely sure, (laughs) but that's something that maybe, uh, you can explore in your own life like don't you find it annoying that you've got this thing you're doing first of all the way i said annoying just now is annoying but you've probably got this thing you're working on isn't it sort of driving you nuts that it's not done start to utilize that let that feeling like sort of stick in your ribs a little bit like pokey in the side start doing something when you feel that see what you can get done you're going to get an immediate sense of satisfaction out of that if you're anything like me And those things are going to start to compound. You're going to start noticing that you're about to feel that before you even feel it. And you'll start to do something. So you don't have to deal with that thought. You don't have to stay up just 15 minutes extra thinking, when am I going to get that done? That's still not done. Should I abandon that project? Should I, what, what is it that I can't wait to start next time? Like I can't do that because I'm dealing with this. I've got to deal with this now. Start to start to put that behind you in your corner. Use that to your advantage. And that's something to think about. It's something I've really been, because I've really, I've worked pretty hard on getting the book stuff caught up and moving toward the finish line over this holiday break. And it's something I've really started to notice. So examine that in your own life. I thought this was going to be a shorter show. We're already pushing half an hour, depending on how much of that rant I cut out from earlier. (laughs) Um, So before I go, I promised a story about not getting a job. I honestly don't know how this came up. I may have seen something on Twitter about unpleasant interviews or something. My mind went back to one of the places I interviewed here downtown St. Louis in a time when my career was not nearly as solidified, when I was not nearly as confident about my accomplishments yet, and I really I needed like a better position than the one I was in so I could sort of align things a little better. You know how this goes. Like you're at one job and you thought it was going to be awesome, but turns out you're not really developing the career skills you expected. You're not advancing. There's not much reason to stay. We all go through that at some point. I was in that position. And if you do this kind of work, I mean, game developers, we're we're programmers, we're designers, we're uh, artists and illustrators. And we've got all these skills that um, the occasional tech recruiter You've probably heard from one or two in your day. I hear from them all the time. and one hooked me up with an interview at a company called CPI. I don't I don't care if somebody involved in this hears this. I don't care because they' they were not great. Um, this company did I think it was like a chain of portrait studios and I mean a place you would take your kids and your family or possibly your dog, and sit for photos and all kinds of, like, photo and, like, keepsake and products and stuff. So this company happened to run a chain of studios for several department stores, and the big one was Sears. So if you're of a certain age, you remember that there was a time when it was a big deal that the family would get in their Easter outfit or whatever, whatever you celebrate, and they would all go down to Sears and get their photo taken so you could blow that thing up and put it on the wall above the fireplace. Nobody can be creeped out by it. So <laughs> I was I was never involved in anything like this, but I knew about it. And so when I heard that they did like the tech stuff for that chain of portrait studios, I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. What they wanted was the job description was we need a web developer, right? Okay, I can do that. I was doing like .NET JavaScript stuff like that. It was not like super front endy front end, but like if you're a .NET developer, you kind of do both, right? So I was sort of in that position. I was fully ready for front end stuff, but they said this is going to be heavy JavaScript. It's going to help if you understand like graphic editing programs and stuff. I had tons of stuff on my resume to show, you know, not only, you know, Photoshop's fine. I've been trained in Photoshop. I can use the open source stuff like GIMP. I can use Inkscape. I can do JavaScript all day. I can do, you know, HTML just in notepad. If I need to like, there weren't as many front-end technologies then as there are now. This is like, was it even 10 years ago? Something like that. 10 years ago, we'll call it. So I went to this interview, and I sat down with this guy who was the hiring manager, and I guess he headed up the department that I would have worked in. And he, uh, you know, hey, what's your situation? Uh, Are you looking to leave your job soon? Tell me about the work you do now. That was all pretty routine. We got through that fine, and he said, like, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to see your design portfolio. And I said, my what? So apparently to them, they thought that a web designer should have basically illustrations <laughs> in a nice binder to hand over and show them. So I did not. And I explained I did not because the work I do is .NET related. I said, I've got, I've got like a code portfolio, but it doesn't seem like you want to hear that. So I said, I mean, and I I showed him some websites that I work on, but they were like informational stuff. It wasn't very pretty. Uh, Government contractors who I were the people I was working for before that, they have very specific stuff they want to see. And the older that stuff looks, the better, the more happy they are. That's serious because they, they just have a very routine way of doing things. They don't want any flashy stuff. They don't want any rounded edges. It has to look like it's from... Literally, like 1998, 19, 1999, the earliest type of web pages. They are still there because that's the stuff they're still working with on the work side. So they want everything to look old and bad. So I said, "Look, I've worked on some blogs. I've done some WordPress stuff. I'm happy to show you all that." He looked around at the websites. He's like, "Yeah, this wasn't entirely what I was looking for." And I said, "I'm going to be real straightforward with you here. This is not at all the way you guys described this position." I said, if this means you don't want to consider me for that, I don't want to waste your time. I said, you know, we can just call this a a misunderstanding and just go on. No, no, no. Stay there. uh, Sit down. He goes, I I still want to do the second part of the interview. And I'm like, okay, what's the second part? And he goes, I am going to bring in like several department heads that you'd be working with and, you know, we'll see if there's a good fit with them. And I said, okay, but are they expecting this too? "Ah, It'll be fine. (laughs) I should have left. I should have left. So he calls in, was it three? Pe- it was at least three other people. And we're in a pretty small office. We are not in a conference room. This is already getting awkward. There were probably six chairs total. And the one next to me was open. O- otherwise the walls are are full of other people who are looking at me and judging me. So that's fine. I can interview. This is not scary to me, but they come in and they start asking like, well, I didn't get to see your design portfolio. Can I see your design portfolio? And I <laughs> I just looked at the guy. I thought, you, you want to handle this? And uh, he did not, apparently. So I said, look, um, based on the job's description, you guys need a web developer who does HTML, who does JavaScript, who can work with photo editing applications. I said, that person is me. I would do that job exceedingly well, but I do not have a bunch of printed out illustrations or anything to show you guys today. And... There was dead silence in the room. They, first of all, they did not under, seem to understand this at all. And they did not seem to agree that they had messed up. Second, they seemed insulted that I was that direct with them. And at this point, I just didn't care. <laughs> I was younger. I needed better work, but I, I knew I, I probably wasn't going to find it here. So they started like grilling me on stuff. And here's where this, my memory is a little bit foggy because it, I think my internal dialogue was cranked up to like 11 or 12. It was like, I can't wait till I get home to, you know, tell my friends about this and tell, you know, the couple of coworkers who know I'm looking around and they're looking around. I just, this is going to be such a good story later. It's not, it's not amazing, but it's funny. So they're starting to like, turn on me a little bit like well the the ideal candidate i think would have a a design background and blah 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 blah, which is incorrect uh according to what they say the work involved but i said uh look i get it you know as i told him before if i'm the wrong fit we just need to establish that and i'm good with that so what else can i answer for you if i can provide you any other information and the lady who was sitting like on the wall to my left at the end of her row of like two other people She raises a stack of papers between me and her mouth. And first she says, well, I know what I think now. And she puts a a stack of papers up to her face where I can't see her mouth. And she gives like this, (laughs) this like mouthy, like attitudey little thing to the hiring manager. And I think the sound probably sounded like this. Clearly, I don't think we should hire him. I cracked my son up with that. I have a five-year-old in the room, so I'm not going to describe her. But, um, well, no, complete a-hole is, is I think, fair. Um, so I had... <laughs> so at, at this point, the hiring manager dismisses the other, like, department leaders just to, like, calm things down. Because I was... Re- <laughs> again, I should have walked out again right at that point. Should have Today, in this day and age, I would have been out that door so fast and I would be tweeting about it. So... But he had them go, and he's like, uh, "Look, I I get it." He goes, "I don't know. Do you have any other questions for me?" I said, "No, I don't." Clearly, this is not the right fit. So, uh, and that's to say that I hate you at this point as much as you guys hate me. And he goes, "I don't. I don't want you to worry about them. If you were able to, this was a Friday." He goes, "If you were able." to go home over the weekend, come up with a design portfolio and send it back to me. I think I could smooth things over with them and we could maybe get something going over here. (laughs) I stared at him silently for at least five seconds. I said, you you want me to do what? Yeah, just, I mean, the the sites you showed me were okay. If you could just show me some like real sort of artistic design work. (laughs) Okay, noted. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting that back. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you again. I should have told him again. Again, this is fully adult me. Experienced me at the second half of my career, probably, at this point. Um, In this day and age, clearly I'm not going to do that. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. If anyone contacts me asking me about what this experience was like, I'm going to be very clear with them. This seems like a terrible place to work. (laughs) Because that experience was... Clearly, that experience was super disrespectful and unpleasant. That's insane. You should not treat a guest in your office that you're considering starting a a relationship with professionally. You should not treat a person that way. But I was younger than they were. They all probably had friends they would have liked to hire. Well, fine. So on a whim, on a total whim, I searched for the name of that company the other day. Boom, they're shut down. And I'm not thrilled that a bunch of people lost their jobs, but I heard, I heard, I read in the article that one day they just, upper management randomly sent an email to everybody, you're all out of a job, please leave. And I just thought, isn't that telling? Doesn't that fit with the experience I had going in there to interview? This is just overall, it's it's not, I'm not talking about karma here, I'm not talking, I'm just telling like you can tell so much from the way people will treat you, the first time you interact with them, the the day you go in for a meeting or uh, you provide some, uh, some quotes or you sign an NDA and talk about a potential project, the way you get treated by people that first day, let that be the lesson. You know, every, you usually know everything. Sometimes people will put on a smiley face and they turn out to be a monster uh, further down the road. But if you get red flags like that on the first day, that's not like beginners misfortune you are you're walking into a mess you're discovering a mess you're discovering a clash of you know like a power struggle a clash of bad attitudes let that be all the indicator you need to to run hit the deck pound the pavement get out of there i have numerous other terrible interview stories that we can do another time maybe it's me right uh but we'll we'll leave that for another time so um That's it. We're going to have more guests come in. You guys might be a little bit burnt out on the super simple, like, hey, introduce yourself. Tell me what project you're working on. It was a little bit different because I was on very little notice interviewing a lot of people about their projects. They were all super cool. And I think we got very good stuff out of each of those segments. But uh, I, I just want to assure you, like, we're going to have guests on for longer chats. We're going to cover... I mean definitely everybody's going to uh get to talk about their projects and everything but we're going to bring up topics like topical discussions everybody's going to be expected to like you know weigh in on things that are happening out here in the world uh provide guidance for new people people who are interested in starting similar projects like we're going to get back to like deeper stuff so uh we we did what we needed to to get through the holidays and I'm not sorry cuz I think that content was great I think those discussions were great and it was awesome connecting with those people but we'll get back to more of the, the deeper sort of stuff you expect and we'll uh, we'll work some topical discussions into it. So that said, if you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, please consider subscribing on the platform of your choosing. We're available everywhere. We have show notes at codewrightplay.com. We have a Discord server. Big shout out to everybody on the dis- Discord server. I have a ton of fun interacting with you guys there. We're on Twitter. The podcast account is Game Dev Pod. The website is codewriteplay. And I am mechatodzilla with 1D and 2Ls. Uh, if you search for Todd Mitchell right now, it won't come up because I've got something funny as my name. So uh, mechatodzilla. And uh, feel free to drop topics, questions, feedback. Happy to do that. Happy to connect with you guys. I'll follow back in a heartbeat. And uh, we can just be a great big happy community. So uh, for coder i play and for game def breakdown todd mitchell here thanks everybody for such a great last year and i'm so excited to see what we get done this year so uh, take care of each other check in on one another work hard make yourself proud and make me proud and i will talk to you next week that moment, nothing mattered in my life more than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score. But now I'm older, there's no quarter to resurrect the hit reset. It's either game over or success. I'm walking towards a light, bright, no regrets. It's just me, just me. me, me.